Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at BLC Plantation. You know, a lot of things go through my mind before I get up here. I don't want to show off. I actually wanted to lay on the ground for a little while. But I didn't know if that was the Holy Spirit telling me to do that or was that was just me. I wasn't wanting to take a nap or anything like that, but just to walk up in the pulpit with humility and that you might see the Holy Spirit working through me as I want to see the Holy Spirit working through you. If you open up your Bibles to Romans for you, that may be our guest. We are making our way through the book of Romans. Paulus has never been there, and he's commending the saints for their faith. All over the world, their faith is being made known. Hmm. I wonder, all those who know Ron Bramus, I wonder if they know about my faith in God. Now, put your name in that blank. Does your family... Does your friends, your aunts and uncles, your co-workers know about your faith in Jesus Christ? Paul was reminding them, wow, I'm bragging on you because your faith is known all over the world. And he starts to tell them the good news of the gospel, even though he hasn't been there. He's wanting to make a visit there, and he is going to make a visit. He prayed that he could make a visit. Be careful what you pray for, because he did make a visit only in prison garb. He came there as a prisoner, and he told them, don't be ashamed of me. I think there's a word to the saints today. I think too many saints are going against each other in this day and age of who to believe and who not to believe. Come on, open your eyes and smell the coffee. Because the saints are the ones that tell the truth and speak the truth. Don't believe the lies of the world. Don't go against believers. If there's fruit on the tree, trust God that he's working through the church. The church means he's working through the saints. And boy, do we need God to move through the saints today. And I pray that you'll raise your hand and say, I'm one that I'd like God to move through me. Now, before he gets to all the good news of how they can have a right relationship with God... You know, I've been mad at people before, and some people have been mad at me. And it's, it's wonderful to find a way that we can have peace. And someone shows us the way, or I wish we could have peace all over the world. In some places, we do have peace because someone showed the way. And Paul is going to show the way we can have peace with God. But before he does that, after he commends the Romans about their faith, he knows in that same group of people, as in the church, there are a bunch of sinners who are not living for God. As a pastor, I know there are a lot of saints not living for God. They are entertaining sin habitually. Paul addresses that to these Romans. He, we cover that in Romans 1. It reveals itself usually sexually, a sexual revolution in the nation 
in your life, in your family. And then it starts down that slippery slope of perverted sex. And then, finally, mental illness, where you do every kind of sin under the sun. It's expressed in Romans 1. Imagine how they're feeling now. You just bragged about our faith, and now you're telling us that in our midst, there's a bunch of sin, and God is going to judge you. Now, he has to help them understand that judgment's coming so they can escape the judgment. So he's saying, you're going to come under judgment, you that practice this lifestyle. There is no way that you can get to heaven practicing this lifestyle in spite of those who preach grace, grace, grace. There is grace. But when God comes with grace, he changes you. The grace changes you. You cannot, you will not remain the same. Then in the next chapter, Romans chapter 2, which Jacob preached on last week, he addresses the self-righteous people. Now, I've been in the ministry. I got saved from a, a crazy drug life and kicked out of schools and army and drugs and all that. And, and then I got introduced to saints. And I thought, wow, these are great people to be around. And by the way, they are. But I found in that building there were people that snuck in that weren't saints but acted like saints and judged everyone that was saints even though they were not saints they were the most miserable people to want to be around jacob talked about that last week god said <laughs> you think because you're a judge and you judge everybody else and what they do you're going to escape judgment i got news for you you're going to be judged now we get to verse 17, and God tells that group of people where their faith is known all over the world that in your group there's also people that have misplaced their confidence and have put it in their religion. Their religion. That's where we pick up. Judgment's coming on those who put their confidence in their religion. Let's pick up in verse 17, chapter 2. You who call yourself Jews. Now, I want you to think for a moment. It is addressed a lot to, to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. Put Christianity in there. You who call yourself a Christian, who rely on the Bible, who rely on God's law. I don't know if we have that on the screen or not. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law. And you boast about your special relationship with him. Yeah, I know God. I know the man upstairs. Hey, give me five. Hey, he's my friend. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law or the Bible. <laughs> You're convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and Teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's law or the Bible gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, 
But do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the Bible or the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder why the scripture says, the Gentiles blaspheme, malign, belittle, make fun of the name of Yahweh, God, because of that kind of conduct because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. Now, you could put baptism in there. The ceremony of baptism only has value if you obey the Bible. But if you don't obey God's law, if you don't obey the Bible, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile or all the other nations. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, Won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law or the Bible, but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a changed heart. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. By the way, what I just read this morning... may be more scripture than some churches preach in six months or teach in six months. Remember, it's God's word that will not return void. What am I thinking about today? I want to encourage the saints that you have placed your trust properly. God wants to encourage the saint who has placed his or her trust properly in Yeshua. And and, in the day and age we live in, you need that, don't you? Think about it. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, knew Jesus was his cousin, and heard the voice of God when he baptized Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God. And he heard from heaven, the heavens opened up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yet like some of you, you're in a valley. You're hurting. Your faith is hurting. You wonder where God's at. John the Baptist is in prison. He's about to die a martyr's death. He begins to doubt. He sends a messenger to Jesus and says, Jesus, listen now. Are you the one that the scriptures talk about that's coming? Or is there someone else coming that will be the Messiah? I don't know about you, but I find comfort in that. So I don't know what you're going through right now this morning. And and, and you need some encouragement that you have placed your trust properly in Yeshua. In Yahweh. And he's going to fulfill his promises to you. 
and he'll meet you in the valley just like he did John the Baptist. What did he do? Did he rake John the Baptist over the coals because he was hurting, because he wanted some encouragement? Not at all. He sent messengers to John the Baptist in jail, in the valley, during his tribulation, and brought encouragement and said, tell John the Baptist, the blind see, the lepers are healed, the dead has been raised. Bring him comfort. So God wants to comfort the saints today that are listening in this morning. To bring your comfort, never doubt that you have strategically placed your trust in Jesus alone. But there's a group of people also I want to warn, listening in this morning or perhaps sitting here. You have misplaced your trust. The title of this morning's message is Misplaced Confidence. Now, if you don't think that's a message that needs to be preached, let me remind you of what Americans think. Over two-thirds of Americans believe that they're going to heaven. Only one half of 1% actually believe they're going to hell. What in God's name? Oops, I'll turn it down, okay. Are they putting their trust in? I know one of them. I feel good. The number one answer on Family Feud, why are you going to heaven? I feel good. They're putting their trust in feeling good. Well, some days I wake up, I feel bad. Some days I wake up, I feel good. Some days I want to kick up a storm. Some days I want to stay in bed. Wow, I wouldn't want to base my faith or my entrance into eternity on my feelings. Would you? Heck no. So, does this message need to be preached? Absolutely. Judgment is coming upon those who put their confidence in, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Christian, I'm a Mormon, well, whatever you are, I'm a Jew. And they put their confidence in that. And Paul addresses that in this particular passage. Let's look first of all at the misplaced confidence in religion going back to verse 17 as we exegete this passage. You who called yourself Jews are relying on God's law. Now just, there's a lot of things they know and it's good to know that, that you're a Christian. I, I always ask people the question, hey, do you know that you're a believer? If you died tonight, what would happen to you? And immediately you'll know whether they're a Christian or not. At least you know which direction to go in your conversation with them. Yes, if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because my faith is in the death of Jesus Christ. When I believed in him, the Father said, I've passed from death unto life. I was buried with Jesus. And when he came out of the tomb three days later, I have come out of the tomb too. My trust is in him alone. In Jesus alone, not in me. So it's good to know that you're a Jew and that, and, and, and that you have the right religion. They had the right religion. Verse 17 says that. You're a Christian. They, they had the Bible. Notice, they knew the scriptures. Verse 17. They knew the law. I know so many people know the Bible. I've sat in Sunday school classes. I've preached in the church. For years and years, they know what is good. 
They know the truth of God. He told these religious Jews, you're putting your confidence in that you're a Jew and that you know the law, and you do. But John 5 tells us, you search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, the Messiah, Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So the, just reading, have you ever studied a subject and read, and you got to read it again, and you got to read it again, and you got to read it again? I don't know about you, but when I went to school, oh, my goodness, I had to read, 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 read. See, I finished ninth grade at 17. Now I have a doctorate degree, but I went back to school at 24 and a half years old with a ninth grade education. Let me tell you, school was hard. It was tough. I had to take English in college. I had to take math in college. Speech therapy, I had to get rid of all the foul language and my, uh, you know, just teasing you. But you can look at something and just read it. I used to read book after book after book, and if you asked me what it meant afterwards, I couldn't tell you. That's what a lot of people do when they're in a Sunday school class, sitting in a church service, or in this case, the Jewish people. They knew the law. They knew the scriptures very well. And they knew him. Notice in verse 17. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him. Can I tell you, church, you can have a relationship with someone and not have a relationship with them. Sounds kind of contradictory, doesn't it? Well, it's always nice to know someone. I remember I have in my phone some pictures of some famous people I got to take pictures with. And I, I know him. Isn't it cool to know you know someone or they can get you in somewhere because you know someone? But they really don't know you. It's kind of like Facebook or uh, Instagram, right? You got a lot of people that you know, but you really don't know them. Hmm. I remember getting my picture taken with one of my heroes, Bobby Bowden. You thought I was going to say Tim Tebow, right? The closest I got to Tim Tebow was a statue. And uh, I love him because what a, what a man of God he is. He's still alive, isn't he? Got my picture taken. I'm sure I'd call up Bobby. Hey, Bobby, can you get me some tickets? Who the heck is Ron? <laughs> so you can know God but not know him. That's what he was saying to the Jewish people. That's what he's saying to a lot of people in the church and a lot of people in a Bible class or a lot of people in the home. You've been raised in a Christian home. You know God. You've heard all about him. God is not interested in a man's profession but in a man's life. God wants a man living for him, not just professing and talking about him. In Romans 10, he said, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, refusing to accept God's way. Remember, that's our theme in Romans, living God's way, not your way. Refusing to accept God's way, cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the commandments, the law, the Bible misdirected zeal and I was driving down the road and I saw two Jewish people they were easily identified they were all decked out all dressed up with no place to go 
I didn't look down my nose. I prayed for them. I'll come out here on Sundays and come over here to pray for a little while out front, and I watch people jogging. I'm going, wow, what a waste. They're getting their outward body in shape, and they're forgetting about their spiritual body that will live forever. You can have an enthusiasm for God, but be misdirected. That's what Paul is saying to the Jewish people and the religious people. He said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They knew God's will. Look in verse 18. You, they knew a lot of things, these religious people. You, you, you know what he wants. Or in most of your translations, it says, you know what his will is. How many times have I taught my children or taught people in a church or in a class or you taught your children or you taught people in a class and you told them what God's will is and, and they just said, thank you, but no thank you. And they turned their back and went in a different direction. You can know God's will. Man, I'm glad I know God's will. I like that passage in Romans 12. Some people ask me, can you know God's will? There's many things you can know God's will in. Who are you going to marry? What house to live in? By the way, I just got back from Texas last week. And I want to report to you, my daughter and my son-in-law are doing well. They, I, it made me almost want to move out there. But because of I love you, I couldn't. But boy, they've made a home out there already. Everybody, they're like magnets. Everybody in the block. I mean, they had 100 people over for Super Bowl on their block. They're all playing out front. Everybody gathers around them. The neighbor's bringing over food. Anybody to come visit them. If you sign up to visit Megan, be sure the guy across the street is going to bring you some great food. Right, Jacob? Wow. He raises his own chicken, breaks their necks back there. Right in the back. Oh, his own deer meat made about 150 pounds of deer meat with sausage in it. Oh, delicious. Ribs that don't fall off the bone, but when you bite into them, mm -mm. better than mama's cooking. Then I went to church and saw all his friends. I went to the baseball game, saw his kids play, uh, practice baseball. What, what a beautiful world. They, they, are, they are exactly where God wants them. And I just want you to know, church, you had a lot to do with them growing up in the Lord, making them mature in the Lord. Now they're off supporting the pastor, being his right-hand man. And he really wants them and needs them. So I just want to pass on that good news to you about about that knowing God's will I am assured that they are in the will of God is my point I wanted to tell you about them I know that I've heard the whole story in Romans 12 it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind here's the catch that you may prove what is the good acceptable perfect will of God you want to know what God's will for you is just follow Romans 12 1 and 2 and most likely many things will come into focus what it is that God wants you to do. And Paul's telling these Jewish people, you know what God's will is. And then he also tells them, you also know what is good. In verse 18, he continues, and you know what's right because you've been taught his law. You've been taught the word of God. Many people have been taught 
the word of God for over 20, 30, 40 years. Some of you who are putting your confidence in religion, can I ask you, are you listening? Are you listening to what God tells you is good? Not what the world tells you is good. Does this need to be preached in the churches? Absolutely, because the churches are compromising what is good. What is bad, they're calling good. And what is good, they're calling bad. Is that true? So if you think I'm preaching to the choir, I'm not. Because many people in the church do not believe Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Many people believe there's no hell. And we're talking about believers now. We're talking about Christians. And I could go down the laundry list of why this needs to be taught. They know what's good, but they refuse to do what's good. So he's telling these religious people, you know what's good. You know the scripture. You know the Father. And now because of that, you call yourself a guide to the lost. Look in verse 19. You are convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. I mean, these religious leaders, you remember what Jesus had to say about them in his day. Here's what he said in one place, Matthew 23. These were teachers, preachers. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? Now, I know sometimes when I get up here and I probably maybe wrongly mimic a pastor that goes like this. Can you guess who that is? I won't mention his name. Starts with a J and ends with a O. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, praise God. Now, Jesus is standing in front of all the religious leaders. Can you imagine a bunch of religious people come in here? You're in the church. I'm your pastor. And I now start telling you bunch of hypocrites. You got to understand the situation. This is what Jesus is saying to them. He doesn't hold back any punches. He said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for here's the reason why. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourself, and you don't let others enter either. And you're a guide to the blind? They thought themselves as that. There are many people who have taught God's word and uh, have been not doing it properly. I, I was so sad this week as I meditated on about an hour of Ravi Zacharias's life. How many know Ravi Zacharias? Raise your hand here. Now, I, I don't know. I already heard a sermon on why he's in hell. That, that, you can't say that. If you caught David when he murdered and, and committed adultery at that very moment and he died, what would you say? You'd probably conclude what? He's in hell. That, but you can't go on what man says. You're not saved by your works. But you can defame the name of God like Paul is addressing these religious leaders. You walk around saying you're a Jew. You do have all these truths. You know God's will. You know what is good. And you're not teaching. Actually, actually he, he does say, well, listen to what they're telling you. But don't do what they do. Remember, he taught them. They taught the truth. They knew the scriptures. They knew what was good. But he said, don't do what they do. The religionist is convinced that religion is true and that religion is the way men should live. In verse 20, they, they thought they were superior. 
as to instruct the ignorant about God. And in Matthew 23, Jesus again addresses this. He said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you, for you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. I didn't finish what I was going to say about Ravi Zacharias. Now, I don't know whether he's in heaven or not. But my, oh my, what has come out afterwards about his life. He was a teacher to the ignorant and to the high and mighty and the so-called intellectuals. But there are a lot of things, evidently, he didn't teach himself, which brings us to our next point. Paul is addressing the believer, reminding them, take courage. You have placed your trust properly in Jesus alone. But many of you are placing your trust, Americans, in your religion. It's misplaced confidence. Now some people are misplacing their confidence in religion without works. How many people do you meet bump into and they say, I know Jesus, I'm saved. Everything that comes out of their mouth tells you just the opposite, especially the kind of language they use. Now, just because you use language doesn't mean you're lost, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not a legalist. But you want what comes out of your mouth to identify with God. There's no really going to church, but they're a Christian. Or they're going to church. But there's no works. So the second thing he addresses to that religious crowd, Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field is in the church. The religious people, they are the hardest people to convince they need to accept Christ as their Savior. Here's what he said about him in verse 21. He said, okay, all you people that are religious, you have everything, you know the truth, you have a relationship with God, you're a teacher, you're a preacher, you instruct the lost, I want to ask you something. Well, then, if you teach others, verse 21, why don't you teach yourself? Reminds me of a majority of people in power that we see every day telling everybody else what to do, and they don't do it themselves. It reminds me of the, the uh, union leader from Berkeley. In Berkeley, the union leader there, I believe his name is Myers, that he's telling everybody the kids can't go back to school. Remember that? You've seen it in the news. You can't go back to school. And by the way, 20 and under, we know absolutely the chance of them uh, dying, a child dying, is, is ill to none. And yet, but, but he's telling everyone else, you have to stay home until everybody gets the vaccine. What does he do? You big old hypocrite. He's seen taking his child to a private school. Now, what kind of reputation do you think he has? Or Como. Well, I better not get political here. Let me get back to, this, get packed, back to the passage here. And it, it, listen, when I, when I mention a name, don't put me on one side or the other. There's, the whole world is corrupt. And we're going to read that next week in Romans chapter 3. So I'm not picking on one side or the other. I'm just picking on what's in the news every single day. When I went to school, they said, I have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand to help people understand and relate. 
the hypocrisy in the public eye is just rampant. They say one thing, but they have no works themselves. They basically teach other people what to do, but they don't do it themselves. How about the mask? Hmm. In California, the governor starts with an N. Ends in an N. I, am, I didn't mention his name, did I? Going to a party with no mask, but everybody else has to stay home. You can't gather for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. I want to tell you how you're going to live righteously, how you're going to survive. Listen to me, but don't do what I do. We see that played out over and over again in the public. So Paul goes on and, and kind of explains it very clearly what they're doing. You ready? We'll just mention them. There's not a lot to say up, add to it, but notice in verse 1. They're put, remember, they're putting their confidence in a religion without works. So they're telling you not to steal. Here he says, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal. But do you steal? They were doing it. There's no time to go into it. But uh, people were bringing money there and the tithes and offerings. And, oh, there's so much stealing going on. He said also, you say it's wrong to commit adultery. Oh, my goodness. But do you commit adultery? The pastors in the pulpits that are teaching this, that are dropping like flies around our country, to say nothing of our Sunday school teachers and, and moms and dads. Now remember again, when I teach on sin, remember there's an antidote for sin, and Paul's going to get to that, but he has to hammer this point home. You are lost if you're putting your trust in the ability that you're teaching your kids and you're teaching others, but you're not doing it yourself. It reminds me of the parent that stays up late at night and says, okay, you are not to watch R-rated movies. Of course, back when I was younger, R-rated movies are X-rated movies. The kids go up to bed. Okay, honey, they're gone. Get the popcorn out. Turn the flick on. Then all of a sudden, the kids come down the stairs, peeking at what you're doing. Ah, they remember that when they get a little older. And they'll remember what you're saying is not what you're doing. He said, he continues and goes, he said, you condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You're so proud of knowing the law but you dishonor God by breaking the law. No wonder why the name of God is being blasphemed everywhere. Remember, these religious leaders weren't doing publicly what we read about in Romans 1. They weren't committing adultery publicly. Remember, adultery in its purest form is wanting to go to bed with another man's wife or a woman wanting to go to bed with another woman's husband. That was the purest form of adultery. And so the Jewish people, the leaders said, well, we don't do stuff like that. We don't murder people. And Jesus brought it home when he said, listen, if you look upon one of those women that you wish you had and you lust over her, you've committed adultery. Or you wanted to kill someone, but you didn't because you know the consequence. Your anger got out of hand. You didn't murder the person. So you exempt yourself as not a lawbreaker, but I'm telling you, are a lawbreaker. You're putting your confidence in that you're a teacher, that you're a Christian, 
that you're Jewish and you do have the right religion and you do have the right faith. But you have no works to back it up. You teach on breaking the law, but you break it yourself. In Ezekiel 33, he teaches, so my people come to church or synagogues or the temple pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words on Sunday morning, but they have no intent on doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek only after money. You are very entertaining to them. Hmm, does that remind you of something that's happening across our country? Entertainment Sunday. You are very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs with a beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. Saints, this needs to be preached to the church and it needs to be taught to your children and your neighbors. There's a lot of people counting on going to heaven based on their religion and they have no works. Didn't James say, listen, you say you're religious, you have no works at all to back up, reinforce that you're a believer. You don't go to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you never witness, you don't give, you don't tithe. You, what in the world do you do? And yet you call yourself a believer. Just because you're born in a garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you're born at McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Just because you're born at uh, Chick-fil-A, you can't be born on a Sunday. I, I just came up with that one out of nowhere. You can use that one. Just give me credit for it. The last point as our team comes up this morning is misplaced confidence in religious rights. Hmm, that's another biggin. What? A biggin. It's another big one. Right, that's R-I-T-E. Notice in verse 25 and 28 again, folks. Ready? Wow, they're really relying on their religion, folks. And, and, and again, I know I'm speaking mostly to the choir, but there is a tendency for us to lean on these things. It says, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law, but if you don't obey God's law, you're no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? If, in fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you are born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Now, I was a student of God's word for quite a while before I ever understood circumcision. I'll be very kind and polite. I know the Lord's listening. It's cutting away of the foreskin. And I never knew it had spiritual truths. I couldn't put two and two together for a long time. That's the reason for explaining it. I can't assume everyone knows what that is. It does have a spiritual truth in it, just like baptism does. I've asked people before, are you saved? You know what their answer is? I've been baptized. I've been baptized. What does that tell you most of the time, but not always? What does that tell you? They're not saved. In fact, someone sitting here in the church, he doesn't mind me saying, I asked, hey, he said he wanted to get baptized. And I said, have you been saved? He goes, hmm, not really. And so I went over the house and, Led him to Christ, right, Joe? 
He doesn't mind me saying his name. But we were talking about baptism. I remember being, how many ex-Catholics here? Raise your hand. Wow, that's, I'm a majority of you. <laughs> I was baptized when I was a little teeny boy. They told me my sin left me, but my mama said it didn't. <laughs> and the teachers didn't think so either. When I went to those schools, the nuns put me under their desk and they kicked me and slapped me, hit me with the ruler all the time. That sin didn't leave. I'm telling you, it didn't leave me. But, but, but the, the priest and the nuns told me when I was baptized as an infant, that sin took off. But it must have went around, flew around, came back. <laughs> Putting our confidence in a ritual. Some people put their confidence in, I was born in a Christian family. I was born in a Christian home. I'm born, I remember one guy said to me, because I, I have most of my degrees as a Southern Baptist, but I believe, and I'm not apologizing for that. I'm proud of what Southern Baptists do, and I'm going to teach you about that. But I'm a believer in the Word of God. So if you're one of these non-denominational folks, in one sense, I am. We believe in the Word of God, whatever it says. Let God's Word stand true, let all men be a liar. But one guy said, when you cut me, I bleed Baptist. I said, when you cut me, I bleed Jesus. See, some people are putting their confidence in the wrong thing, in the wrong religion, in the wrong denomination. I remember bumping into these people that were Church of Christ. Now, not all people that are Church of Christ are this way. But I remember in the 70s, they thought they were the only true church. Did anybody remember that out there? Anybody at all? Did some religions think they are the only church. Church of Christ. If it doesn't say Church of Christ, you're not going to heaven. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, after you believe Pentecosts, Pentecost, there's many Pentecostals that are saved. There might be some Pentecostals in here. But it's a lie to say, after I got saved, then at some other point, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to give evidence that I'm saved. That's not the kind of work God's talking about. Yes, I want to be baptized with power to do God's work, like the uh, Peter was. But when you and me confess Jesus as our Savior. The Holy Spirit baptized us into the family of God. We had nothing to do with it, and neither did the water have anything to do with it. Amen? Uh-oh. Hope some of you are coming back next week. We tell the truth here, and nothing but the truth shall help me, God. Amen? As we end, I just want to remind you, rights don't always tell the truth. I've been baptized. Don't listen to what they're saying. Watch what they're doing. Now, again, if you watch me every second of every day, yes, I will see you fail. You will see me fail. But overall, I will see if you really live for Jesus Christ and you adore him and worship him. If you follow me every second, you will see that I adore and worship Almighty God. That's what he's looking for. And when we walk in the light, like the light shining on me, and we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, those who accept my commandments and obey them, they're the ones who love me. There's the proof. You want proof that you love God? You want proof that I love God? Then obey me. He said, the, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The rights and ordinances that are accepted is found in verse 20. 
excuse me, 29. Last verse and we're through. Verse 29, God tells you what is accepted. So can I tell you something? If you've never been baptized and you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, now this is not a way out. Don't go out of the church and tell people that I'm saying not to get baptized. But if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and boom, you were to die instantly, what would happen to you? You'd go to heaven. If a Jew was not circumcised, but believed in Yahweh and died, would he go to heaven? Absolutely. That's what God's trying to communicate. Don't put, if, 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 if you put in your, your confidence in something, what do you put it on? I just flew to Texas and uh, the plane was a little rough coming home. I don't, I don't really love flights that much. How many love, uh, don't like planes very much? Okay, there's a few of you. I even jumped out of one. It did have a parachute though. But I don't like heights. My trust, I heard a loud noise when it took off. You know when it's just going up in the air, you feel like, my goodness, it's going to come down. Don't you feel like that? And then I heard a loud noise in the engine. I flew United. Just a week before, I'm Googling, United's flying and an engine blows from Colorado. I'm taking United. I haven't flown in about two, three years. And first thing I see is, an engine blew on United. They did make it back safe, back safely. No one died. But my confidence isn't in that plane, technically. My confidence is in that pilot. That he knows that plane so well that he'll know if there's something wrong. And he's going to get me from point A to point B. Your confidence and my confidence is in Christ alone. Now, he will accept baptism and circumcision if it's already happened here. That's what he's trying to tell you. In here. Here's what he looks at. Not what you do externally, but what you've done internally. God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. If you're listening in online, you can make a decision. If you're here today and you've been putting your trust in religion, I just read most Americans are doing that. They're putting the trust in a religion. They're not putting it in Jesus alone. So I'm not speaking just to the choir. So God is saying transfer that trust that you're good because you're not. We'll talk about that next week. And don't put it in a ritual. Don't put it in that you were born a Christian. Many people claim take the name of Christianity just because, well, by default. They're not Muslim. So I'm a Christian. And they're putting their confidence in that. God is saying, please, I'm going to judge those people. And they will be separated from me forever and ever and ever because they're putting their confidence in the wrong place. Put your confidence in Jesus alone that God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And the minute you believe, he said, you've passed from death unto life. Would you stand with me? If you're here today and you want to make that decision to believe in Jesus and not a religion and you're trusting in something else besides Jesus, today's the day to make that decision. If you're looking in online, of course, you can go to the comment section and there's a tag there. and You can say, listen, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need some information, either how to become a believer or I became a believer. Someone will get back with you this week. I know someone called for prayer this week. I called them back, let them know we were praying for them. We care about those listening in online. And if you're here this morning, you've 
never accepted Christ as your Savior. See, this is the miracle I'm looking for before the healing, that people would be broken of their sin, be broken of their misplaced trust, and transfer the trust to Jesus and be grieved over their sin. No telling what kind of healing would take place. Father, please don't let your word return void. Help that person that's putting their confidence in religion or in their good works or in no works at all. Help those who've listened to the word for years and years and has said to themselves, I'm, I'm not going to obey it. But perhaps you're speaking to them right now. Convict them. You said the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and the truth about Jesus. Convict them, Father, today. May there be many that will give their lives to Jesus Christ today and not trust in religion. Remind them, religion will be judged and condemned. But those who put their faith in Jesus will never be condemned. In Jesus' name I pray. At this time, we want to invite you to continue to worship. We do that in prayer. Our church actually prays, so you can come to the altar and pray while we sing. You continue to worship God as He leads you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.